Welcome to On Leading. I'm Shauna Steffen talking with Francis Moore LePay. Francis Moore LePay, or Frankie, is author and co author of 18 books, including The Breakthrough Diet for a Small Planet, which has sold millions and is considered by the Associated Press as the blueprint for eating with a small carbon footprint since long before the term was coined. Named along with Thomas Jefferson, Upton Sinclair, and Julia Child by Gourmet Magazine as one of the top 25 people that have changed the way America eats, Frankie has received as many honorary doctorates for her leadership as she has published books. A prolific voice of possibility, Frankie is a recipient of the Right Livelihood Award for her vanguard leadership on ending world hunger and living democracy. With her rare ability to connect global to local dots, she demonstrates restorative leadership by inspiring us to reclaim our best selves and reframe circumstances for aligned progress. In this interview, Frankie talks about her perspective on ending hunger by 2030 and her participation in the historic civil disobedience of Democracy Spring. She urges us to leverage the power of our own participation in the interconnected web of life. Frankie, what can we learn from your book, EcoMind? to help evolve our leadership and fulfill on the unique opportunities of this planet-critical time? Well, the motivation for EcoMind was discovery, this is now quite a few years ago, of what happened to me internally, psychologically, physically, going to a conference in Washington addressing you know, all the big challenges of of climate change, the uh, species decimation, and on and on. And it was dozens of speakers over several days. And the audience shrunk as the speaking went on. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I, I really felt like I had... <laughs> Uh, just this huge load on my shoulders, just this weighted, weighted, weighted. And I thought to myself, you know, this is not working. We need people to be energized and we need people to walk out with excitement about what they can do. And I uh, then tried to absorb myself in more of the environmental uh, literature and some of the major thinkers and articulators sort of, of, of environmentalism and realized that there were messages that were unnecessarily actually generating fear, which now psychologists tell us that fear actually makes us more self-centered, more materialistic. I, I cite psychologists in the book who say that any reminder of our own mortality, for example, that they can immediately measure more self-interested responses and behaviors in people. So uh, the tricky part is that we are facing a global crisis that is very frightening and scary. So I took you know, some of the dominant messages and I tried to suggest ways that we could respond to them with positive energy. For example, so I took the message, we've hit the limits of a finite planet. <gasps> cut back, cut back. And I, I took that framing, which, if not in so many words, is a very common framing of the crisis. We've hit the limits of what Earth can provide, and we've really messed up, and we've got to tighten our belts. 
And I said, what if we shifted from the frame of limits to the frame of alignment? That our error has been that we haven't been taking advantage of the incredible regenerative power of nature. All that she offers us, and I, one of my favorite Zinger uh, points of data is Hermann Scheer, who is one of the leading physicists behind the greening of Germany. It's it's uh, solar and wind energy. He reminds us that the sun provides us every day. 15,000 times the, the amount of energy that we're currently using in fossil fuel. So if we align with nature, it was like, ah, oh, we can take a deep breath. And alignment became one of my favorite words in the English language because we think when we're aligned, then things flow. When we're aligned, it's possible for all of our needs to be met. And that was the argument, of course, around food. As you know, I've spent a great deal of time proving that there's more than enough and that if we align with nature there, that we can actually reduce our water usage, we can end the soil loss, in fact, enable the building of healthy soil. So that was the key idea. That was the framing of the book. But in that framing, the, the core message of the book is to think like an ecosystem, and that's where the eco-mind comes in. You always have a next question to ask and to live. And so my question for you is, what is that question that you are asking and living today? I realize my life is swimming in one stream, but my stream of life has two currents and they keep intersecting and weaving in and out of one another. And those currents are hunger, food, on the one hand, and the other is beneath it all, democracy is governance, how we govern ourselves. And so I've made a vow to the universe that I will primarily remain in the stream of the deeper why and the deeper how, which is democracy. It is understanding that democracy is not a choice because it is the only approach, as my understanding of democracy, is the only approach that is truly aligned with human nature and broader nature. So it's not a choice. Right now, my question that I'm holding is how do we build a movement of movements? I think of it as a canopy of hope among all the movements for positive change. How do we really create a democracy movement that is energizing and inclusive and embraces all of the issues? How do we create governance that really reflects our values, our, our genuine interests, and allows us to see how our individual choices affect the whole? And that is really the biggest question. It's interesting you are in a how question, and a how question is very much behind the work that I am doing on restorative leadership. And that question that I'd like to ask you is, how do we bring out the best of our diverse humanity to ensure a sustainable future? So that's my big how question. How do we Mm -hmm. do that? I think we are all learned by stories. And the more that we can tell stories of actual experience of that, where people who were, have been excluded are now taking leadership. And so, for example, in my book, World Hunger 10 Myths, 
of all the stories in that book, <laughs> my favorite one is of the quote-unquote untouchable women in southern India who, through their women's groups in their villages, the poorest of the poor, the most humiliated, uh, actually beaten by their husbands, and the poorest voiceless women have found their voices together through their their weekly meetings, their women's group, they call just their sangha, and have established biodiverse farming, have developed their own radio station, learned how even though they don't read and write, they learned how to produce videos of what they're doing, and then became political um, in pushing forward healthier uh, for the earth and more sustainable millets to replace the nutritionless white rice that the government uh, relies on in, in its food distribution systems. Again, the poorest, most excluded people on earth actually being the leaders and demonstrating solutions. And this is, I know, it's happening in many places of the world. So I think that we are moved by stories. It's not by the sh you shoulds, but by seeing the we cans. Mm -hmm. Your life's work, starting with Diet for a Small Planet, um, has been dedicated toward ending hunger and feeding hope. Mm -hmm. And what I saw recently is while you were in the streets, you were holding mm -hmm. a sign. Mm -hmm. And the sign said, hunger is not caused by a scarcity of food, but by a scarcity of democracy. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, all of my work since Diet for Small Planet has been saying that there's more than enough food for all of us every day. There are about almost 2,900 calories for each of us every day. If I ate 2,900 calories, I would be growing every day. Um, so that's a lot of food. It's three or four pounds per person. Um, and it's going up. I mean, there's more being produced per person you know, every decade. So. That, the simple fact is that globally there is no scarcity of food. So my whole point about hunger is not caused by scarcity of food is simply to point out that of those obvious facts, that we uh, have a highly inefficient system so that we could make much more food available, but even with this inefficiency of feeding half of our grain either to livestock or to industrial purposes, including agrofuel now, um, that we still have enough calories. One other way of talking about it is that the inefficiency of feeding all of these just grain to livestock is such that it ends up so that the U.S. food, the U.S. agricultural system, we actually feed fewer people per acre than Chinese or Indians do. As you know, you know, in my writing, I say, well, why are we together creating a world that none of us as individuals would choose? Because mm -hmm. who would choose something so grossly inefficient? On any of this, we as individuals would not choose these outcomes. I have never met anyone who says, yes, I think it's great. I want to make sure another child is dying of hunger. Yes, I think it's great that our agricultural system is contributing to climate change. Most people would not want to be living within an energy system or a food system that created suffering unnecessarily. So why is it? And that's where democracy comes in, because if we together were really reasoning together and really coming up with solutions together, this would not be the result. 
with the historic adoption of the United Nations 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, mm-hmm. you know, we had 193 member states unanimously commit to the Sustainable Development Goal to, quote, end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition, and promote sustainable agriculture. That was one of the 17. In fact, it was number two of the 17. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so given your lived and studied expertise, what do you think that's going to take? What is it going to take to, by 2030, end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition, and promote sustainable agriculture? Um, Well, a political revolution in the words of someone we've heard a lot from. It's all about whether we step up as citizens to understand that we've allowed, it's not just that these bad guys have done it to us, we've allowed corporations to infuse and control in many areas our, the agenda of how we grow food and who's able to eat and the increasing concentration of wealth. There's every, it seems like every few months there's a new report that the concentration of wealth is even greater than we had thought before. So in such a world, that goal cannot be met. And so without naming that, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because we have to name that and go directly for that. And um, we can't achieve it as long as corporate boards are, in a sense, more powerful than government bodies. Thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that before moving on? When we marched into Washington and I saw the Capitol Dome, we were chanting, whose house, our house, whose democracy, our democracy. And I started weeping and weeping. And I realized that the energy of that march was we are coming in as citizens to take responsibility. We're not just coming in here to say, fix it. You guys are corrupted by the system. We're here to say, we're stepping up. We're playing our part by making these very reasonable demands that you pass this legislation. That feeling of being a part of a, okay, (laughs) we're gonna do what citizens are all about, you know, we're going to say, we're we're gonna hold ourselves accountable to stay engaged and to push forward on this and to help craft the solutions. And that was what was so moving to me. And that was what was really life-changing in the sense that once you taste that, you can't untaste it, you know? And the thrill of that was so just, Stirring. I, I don't know, I can't even come up with the verb for it. I want many, 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 many more people to experience what I experienced. This is what democracy looks like. This is what democracy feels like, you know, that, that sense of unity and excitement and, and dialogue. And I count. I have something to say. One person, one vote. We're out there. We're, we have something to contribute. This is a thrilling undertaking that we are actually dealing with the biggest issue and doing things we didn't think we could do. And without democracy, ultimately, we can make some incremental changes. But fundamentally, in our heart of hearts, I think we know that we can't really make the turn, say, on climate change if we don't have democracies, if we still have the the very elite, moneyed elite making the decisions that 
are so much, they can protect themselves from the worst effects of climate change. So they're going to be naturally less sensitive to it. So with your recent book, World Hunger, 10 Myths, what yes. is most important for us to take away from that as it relates to the potential and the need at this time? Well, I think the most important thing for people to understand is that, one, the needlessness of hunger and just dissolving the fear that somehow we have to compromise and use dangerous chemicals to produce our food if we're going to eat enough. We now know how to align our agricultural production with the earth in a way that we don't have to endanger ourselves and other species and long-term food security by using artificial fertilizers and chemical pesticides which are harming us, especially children today. So that's the big relief that we know how to do this. This meaning agroecology, which only means farming in a way that's aligned with ecology, building on traditional practices and constantly applying the latest in scientific experimentation underway. So I think that's one key message. And another one that we can drop the frame that we in the privileged parts of the world are going to bring the solution abroad and rather how do we remove the obstacles that our policies, particularly trade and aid policies are putting in the way? How do we go shoulder to shoulder? And in that regard, how do we become an example of democracy that works so that societies where there's still very direct corruption, ours is more systemic corruption, how do we show other societies that yes, democracies can work? And so that is one of the greatest gifts that we can put forward. I think that's another takeaway from the book that much is happening in the rest of the world and our role is both helping to remove the obstacles and to become an example of democracy working that can give heart and actual leverage and um, even some tools or how to do it, you know, to others in the world. So all of that, I'm hoping that it reduces the fear that keeps people just blocking out issues if we're afraid we can't do anything. We just don't really want to hear about it. This book is, is showing that we can let go of that fear and there are so many ways that we can be a positive part of the solution. Oh, that's a perfect segue to my final question, which is, what would you have all people do at this time in world history when we have a global declaration to end hunger and achieve food security and sustainable agriculture? You know, I would have people, first of all, join with others in their communities. Because I think to recognize, you know, the buddy system works. I mean, we need other people around us who share this thrill of democracy and share this passion uh, because it's so easy, we know, to get distracted. So find buddies and tell the story in a way that you will attract buddies. Our greatest power is who we are, you know, that if you meet somebody who's really excited about their life, if there is this, I want some of that, you know, I want some of that. What is it, why are they so excited about what they're doing? So I think that the most important thing is to find that sense of excitement, but 
it's a little different than just follow your passion because I really do believe that we're at a point where that's not enough, that we really need to be learning together what is what is the causal pattern. See the causal patterns. Thank you. This has been a discussion on leading with Francis Moore LePay. I am Shauna Steffen. To engage in ending hunger or living the democracy movement, please go to smallplanet.org and to learn more about restorative leadership and action in the movement toward global sustainability and collective well-being, please go to restorative-leadership.org or subscribe to On Leading on iTunes. Thank you.